Friends, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brenda did a message on freedom, and then I was uh, privileged to follow up on a Wednesday night. That was like the uh, Independence Day holiday Sunday. can't remember. I think it was July 7th. I was able to follow through with a message in, entitled, The Truth Will Set You Free. So that was, a, that was a really, really good time we had together, both with Pastor Brenda's message and this one. Tonight, I'm going to do part two of The Truth Shall Set You Free. I'll give you the subtitle in just a little bit to recap some of the things that we talked about. John 8, 31 and 32, Amplified Bible. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence tonight. You're, you're just amazing. Thank you for giving us ears to hear and giving us utterance. And Lord, the cry of all of our hearts is, God, that you would use us to bless somebody. Use us to bless somebody, God. Make us a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. So John eight thirty one and 32, uh, just touching a little bit of the foundation that we talked about previously. So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If... You abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live in accordance with them. You are truly my disciples. And here's a, here's a phrase you hear a lot. It's, it's, uh, it's laid in stone in various public places. They're trying to take it down. But thank God it's still up in certain places. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of you remember that phrase? I just, I just really appreciate that. I appreciate the freedom that we have both in Christ Jesus and in uh, the United States. John 8, 31 and 32 in the Passion Translation says this, Jesus said to those Jews who believe in Him, when you, and this is verse 30, well, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you will prove that you are my true followers. For if, notice the condition, if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. And so we talked about how uh, truth is foundational to our Christian family code. You know, like some, some years ago, pastor was preaching about this is how we roll. And boy, did we have fun with that message. This is how we roll. I think it was a prophetic message. No notes, nothing. Just bam, just inspirational. We, we were running around the room because at heart of the bay, this is how we roll. We roll with the joy of the Lord. We roll with trusting God, taking Him at His word, putting the word first place. We roll at waiting on the Spirit and letting the Spirit have His way. So anyway, uh, just, just some thoughts about this is how we roll in the family code uh, regarding truth. Uh, in, in, you don't need to turn to these, but in John 4.24, saints should worship God in it. In what? In truth. You know, Jesus said, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in what? In truth. In 1 Kings 2.4, uh, the kings and the people are to walk before God in it, in truth. In Proverbs 23.23, 23, we're instructed to buy it by what? The truth and sell it not. In other words, truth is like a commodity that is so valuable. Get it. Get it. Some people say, you know, buy gold. The, the stock market is about to crash. Well, in the kingdom of God, they say, get truth. With all you're getting, get wisdom, but also get truth. Hallelujah. Get truth. And don't let go of it. Don't sell it. Hallelujah. First uh, Corinthians 13, 6 says, we're to rejoice in it. Rejoice in the truth. That's the scripture where, where love does not believe it wrong and evil, but only when right and what prevail? When truth prevails, absolutely. Philippians 4.8, we're supposed to meditate on whatsoever things are 
true. Then Proverbs 3.3 3 says, we're to bind it around our neck. Proverbs 3.3 3 also says, write it upon the tablets of our heart. Proverbs 12.22, God delights in those that deal in it. So God really gets real happy when you operate in the truth. Uh, John 17.17 17 and 19 is defined as the word and that it sanctifies us. We'll c- kind of come back to that. But but So truth is equivalent to the word. You can say, your, your word is truth, Jesus. Jesus said, so you can almost take places where he says uh, uh, statements about the truth, I mean, about the word, and insert the word truth. It has a different spin about it that kind of challenges us as Christians. Amen? It purifies the soul in 1 Peter 1, 22. Truth also in 2 Timothy 2.15 should be rightly divided. We're supposed to study and show ourselves approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of Truth. Now, there's a lot I can say about that, but uh, I don't think I should stop for that. We'll, we'll maybe touch that a little later. But, but you see, truth, we're going to find out in today, tonight's message. Okay, I'll spill the beans. Tonight's message is entitled, The Truth About Mercy and Truth. The Truth About Mercy and Truth. And see, uh, some things where people are wrongly dividing the word of God, you can actually believe, listen to me carefully now, you can actually say something that's a true fact, and uh, events that truly happened, and offenses or things that really did happen, but your purpose for bringing it up, friends, listen, the purpose for bringing it up is the wrong spirit. And as Christians, we're not supposed to just bring up truth and use it as, and weaponize the truth. To hurt people. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's the... See, to rightly divide the word of truth is to, is to preach the truth in a way that brings life to people. And we'll find out in a little bit how truth works with mercy in this regard. But people that are critical and judgmental don't help anybody. They're the ones that want to pull out stones and stone them. She's the one that committed adultery. Let's stone her. People that want to argue at your front door. Legalistic churches. Somebody wore, a, a woman wore a pants or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, who knows what? The guy wore a beard. You don't know what in the world is going on in their church culture, but they can use certain things that they perceive as truth and weaponize it to hurt people. Jesus never used truth to hurt anyone. He properly dispensed truth to help people. That's what truth is for. When he says the truth will set you free, it must be dispensed properly. Woo. Wow. And we didn't even get into the message yet. Okay, so listen to this. We, we have a foundation of truth in, in, in the Christian family. That's our part of our DNA. In John 16, 13, you could put that one up there. John 16, 13. Uh, however, when he, the spirit of what? The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into what? All the truth. Look at in John 17, 17 through 19. It says, sanctify them in his priestly, high priestly prayer. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I should say, your word is truth. And as you have sent me, so I send them in the world. And then moving down to verse 19, it says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. We talked about last time at length how, how powerful, I think there was an unction on that one. 
about uh, how the truth sanctifies you. And we went into the book of Exodus, how when the plagues came on Egypt, God made a difference. Some of you were here and heard that. God made a difference between the children of Israel and the Egyptians. He says, now look, there's going to be flies everywhere, but not in the, not in the camp of, of, of the, uh, not in the land of Goshen and the Israelites, so that there would be a difference. Then you'll understand that there makes a difference when you serve God or you serve some pe- piece of stone that's dead. Are you listening to me? So the same thing happened when with their animals, a, a plague came through and that plague came through and killed a lot of the livestock. But in the land of Goshen, there, it says that none of the livestock died. And that, and I got real excited. Somebody got excited about that one. I mean, if you've got a Christian dog, your Christian dog is better than the heathen down the street. And I couldn't answer the question, do all dogs go to heaven? But I will say this, God cares about your dog. And if it's within the parameter of your family, your family unit, that the blood of Jesus applies to your parrot, your dog and your cat. And if you have a llama, that too. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. Got that one out. (laughs) But friends, shouldn't it make sense that there should be a difference between serving God, the person that serves God and honors him and, and, and serves him with all of their heart versus the person that's cursing God. Am I, listen carefully, rejects the truth altogether and is wicked. Come on, friends. There is a difference. And the word of God, it says here, Jesus said it would sanctify. So that's why it's so cool and so fun to come to church because you get sanctified from the mess that is in the world. While everybody else's life is falling apart, your life is not supposed to be falling apart. Jesus spoke in the parable of the, of, of the, the house that was founded and, and the foundations went into the rock and, 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 the, and the flood came and the storm blew him, but the house stood, right? And what's that? What is the house stood? It was hearing the sayings of Jesus. And that's what we're doing. We're hearing his sayings and of course doing them, not just in one ear and out the other, but in one ear and down in the heart and then out to action. Hallelujah. Did you know that everybody at Heart of the Bay Christian Center and every Christian really that is doing the word is an action hero? Hallelujah. They're action heroes doing the word. Hallelujah. So you, you too, dad, can be an action hero for your kid. Yes, you could put on the cape. I will walk in love. Hallelujah. And the cape's fluttering around. They insulted me, but I'm going to walk in love. And the cape's fluttering. Hallelujah. And I will pray for my enemies instead of swearing at them. All right. Moving right along. I got an amen somewhere. I'm telling you, Wednesday nights in Hayward is awful fun. Hallelujah. So notice this. In recapping this, Psalm 51, verse 6. Here's an interesting thought. Behold, and I haven't even gotten the message yet. This is just recapping last week. Wait till we get into this week's. I don't know if I could take this, Pastor Nancy. Help, I need an usher. Psalm 51, 6 in the New King James Version says this. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. So truth is something that must be internalized. And you never... listen. Listen carefully. We never internalize anything by accident. Are you listening to me? We don't, you don't, you don't learn how to play, um, give me a game, Halo, or I don't know what some of these games people, people play. You don't become a diamond level player at Halo or whatever these games are, but by just casually playing it. 
I mean, you have to immerse yourself to learn all the shortcuts, yeah. you know, and go on eBay and talk to your, not eBay, uh, YouTube, YouTube, and go on all the user boards and find out what the secret code is to get all the extra diamonds or extra whatever. I don't do that. I, I, I'll tell you right now, I quit at Mario Brothers years ago when my kids, <laughs> I still have that do, 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 That's all I know, dude. These little Mario dudes going through the little hollow places. That's all I know. And, uh, I'm, I'm sadly lacking, but it's in, in my electronic games knowledge. But thankfully, the kids grew up out of that, I think. I don't, I really don't know. They secretly really played those electronic games. But the thought here, friends, is you have to immerse yourself. And that's how you get it in you. And that's what we're doing when we come to church and when we read our Bibles and we spend time with God. We're immersing ourselves with the truth. And He desires truth on the inward part. And that truth, it will, it will set us free. Well, what does that mean? It will protect you. It will sanctify you. It will make you effective. It will warn you. It will guide you. It will warn you. It will give you power. It will build you up. It will give you an inheritance. It can even make you rich. Wow. It, would, it will help you to avoid the pitfalls. Now, I'm, I'm into learning from other people's mistakes rather than my own. How many of you there? I mean, you just, you just got to get a hit a few times and fall down and skin your knee a few times before you realize, you know, it's a whole lot better to listen to other people and watch them when they fell and got hurt and learn from that than me having to go through the same pain and agony. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Just saying. So can we get into our message already? You see what you guys have done to me? Tonight we're talking about the truth about mercy and truth. Listen carefully. <laughs> Just saying. How many of you having fun still? Listen to this. Mercy and truth operating simultaneously. Listen carefully. Are fundamental qualities of God's character. God possesses the perfect blend of mercy and truth. And this characteristic is not just for him alone. It's God's plan for, and God's desire for you and me, every Christian really, to become men and women of mercy and at the same time, men and women of truth. We'll find out why in a moment. To the unregenerated soul, the unrenewed carnal mind, mercy and truth don't seem to mix much like oil and water. Without the power of God, it seems that we tend to lean toward one or the other, just because of our personality. Those of us that have more confrontive personality, I don't have a problem putting them in their place. Well, then you're one of those people that love to tell the truth. Bam! You're just going <laughs> to nail that person to the wall. But if you're the person that, oh, I want everything to be nice. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Like, oh, they ruined the, they ruined the meal again, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. How am I going to say this? So you're going to say it real nice and you don't want to hurt anybody. You're going to be real merciful. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, oh, I stepped on some toes. Uh, anyway, moving right along. <laughs> so it seems to the carnal mind that whichever one feels, it seems that we have, we tend to lean towards one or the other, really depending in many cases of our personality. But whichever, sometimes it's whichever one feels more comfortable or suits us at the time. So, but God challenges us, listen, to hold fast to both of them. Both of them. Now, let's go back to Proverbs 3.3. 3. It says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That means that regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, 
Whether you're one of those real merciful guys, I just want everybody to be nice and happy. Or you want to say, I'm going to tell you a thing or two. Oh, what if you're that one that just call people on the carpet have no problem? You're fired or anything like that. <laughs> I don't know. Whichever side of the aisle you're on, it says it seems that it's real easy to let one of these qualities slip. And are you listening to me now? And so he wants us to incorporate both because that's how he operates. Listen carefully. That's how he operates. All right. So we're going to learn a few things about why. Grace without truth. This is, this is some reasons about it. And I got some of these ideas from the book Changes That Heal. I highly recommend the book by Cloud. It's in the bookstore. We're having a 50% off sale. I just, Cindy, where are you? You should like 50%. Oh, she's waving it. Thank you. Then. 50% off sales. Great book. Change your life. Anyway, grace without truth gives license. It makes us feel safe from condemnation, but we can never experience true intimacy. And listen carefully, grace without truth, in that scenario, we ultimately destroy ourselves. Are you listening? I got that one today. I was like, whoa, I got a gem from heaven. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Listen, grace or mercy without truth gives you feel like you feel good oh good i didn't get that traffic ticket but you know the guy let me go he had mercy on me thank god by the way that did happen to me once <laughs> but listen carefully now without truth coming in taking a real look at what's happening in your life you can fall into the trap like galatians says where you can use your freedom of that gracious quality of life to do whatever you want. Yeah, you've got the freedom to choose. And the thing is that you could get so loosey-goosey, you'll end up destroying yourself. But there's a different... Look at, look at the other side. Look at the other side of the coin. Oh, well, let me see. When someone who offers grace also offers truth... Truth about who we are, truth about who he or she is, and truth about the world around us. And I'm going to throw in there truth about God, the truth about the Word and and the Spirit world and so on. And we respond to it from our heart, then real intimacy is possible. Let me just, this is a side note. Every one of us should learn how to give and receive love. I don't know about you, but for me, it's a lifelong journey. We are a society starved for love. But in most cases, for whatever experiences we've had or didn't have, whatever people did or didn't do, we don't really know how to love ourselves in many cases or give or receive love from other people. We have a lot of defense mechanisms. Get the book from the bookstore. All right, moving right along. Changes that heal. Okay, moving right along. That was, by the way, Changes that Heal, Henry Cloud, page 15. But look at this one. Truth without grace. Catch this. Truth without grace. Check this out. What is it? It leads to judgment. Truth without grace destroys us. So catch this. Grace, knowing that you're forgiven and you can do anything you want, you, you can 
ultimately destroy yourself by the choices you're making. You could yield to the wrong things and you'll destroy yourself. But truth without a loving spirit of grace behind it will hurt people and destroy them. And you know what? With the kind of judgment that you deal to other people, it'll be dealt right back to you. It's a horrible thing. That's right. I'm getting ahead of myself. But judge not that you be not judged. Wow. Wow. So let's see if we... If, just how many you have your faith out, your expectors out tonight? Because I, I don't want to keep you here all night. I mean, secretly, I really do. But I'm not going to do that. I've got to tell the truth. Okay. <laughs> Friends, Jesus is our example. John 1.14 The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What was He full of? Grace and, grace and truth. Look at John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses. The law, which side of the aisle is that? That's the truth part, right? Calling a spade a spade. What? You stole, you poked that guy's out? Come on over here, honey. We're going to poke some eye out. Eye for eye. This, this one really hurts. A tooth for a tooth. That one can really hurt. You follow what I'm saying? But, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Moving ahead, Proverbs 16, 6. By mercy and truth, parents, check this out. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, uh, men depart from evil. Now watch this. We would do well, those of you that are in the parenting age, we would do well to not just pour mercy on our kids and let them do whatever they want. That's one side of the aisle. And the other side of the aisle, we would do well to not hammer them all the time. Hammer them, hammer them. Say, you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And like, look, at, okay, they might have done that wrong and sure they, they did that wrong. But we have to learn how, when you have the God character in operating in you, you help people grow. In this case, grandkids, kids, or how about employees? Your employees, your team members. How many people are of authority? You have team members that work under you. I, you know what? I've heard this so much, and I wasn't always a minister. I know it sounds like I was born a minister, but I really, I was born into a ministry family, and my father's a minister, and I traveled all around the world when, I mean, the U.S. when I was five, and all that sort of thing. But I did work secular jobs quite a bit, and I was hanging around people, and I realized one of, one of the, um, primary complaints between employees and employers is that there seems to be a lot of judgment and micromanaging and a lot of I would say that's that judgment side, right? So, so, but, but, but if, if they learned a little bit about Maxwell, they learned how to apply mercy with it at the same time, and then you get a happy employee. They see like, you know, you're right, these are my shortcomings, and what can I, he says, man, I'm not here to put you down, I want to help you, dude, you are my man, you are the man, what can I do to help you? I'll tell you, I'll come down and I'll do it with you for a while, and I'll make sure that you, that you get it, cause, cause just between you and me, I really want you to get this and I'm going to keep this 
between you and me. I'm not going around throughout all the board meetings and tell everybody that you messed up the programming on this code. We're going to work on this together. And then when you make your presentation that the code is ready to go public and, and it sells and blah, 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 we're just going to wink at each other and you're going to get the credit for it. But I believe in you. Do you listen to me? How many of you know that a kid, uh, an employee will, 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 will be so encouraged when you do that for him? Or how about a kid? Instead of saying, you did this and you did that, you say, look, now listen, I really believe in you. I, 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 I know that you, 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 you stole this thing and that's wrong, but just because you stole something doesn't make you a thief. That's not who you are. That is not who you are. So you and I are going to make this right. And we don't have to tell everybody. See, love covers, right? Love covers, right? So the person that, a friend to friend, sharp, uh, uh, iron sharpens iron. Are you tracking with me right now? So you're not sweeping things under the rug. We're getting a little prelude of what it's like to take something on in love the way that Jesus did. By using mercy and truth at the same time. Here's a clue for you. The world can't do it. It takes the anointing of God to do it. I'm convinced. I am convinced it takes the anointing of God to be able to operate in truth and mercy at the same time. So anyway, so, so Jesus was our example. And by mercy, oh, here it is. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. You know, by, by giving somebody a chance. That was Proverbs 16.6. 6. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.6 in the King James Version. It says this. Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter. Why? But of the Spirit. For the letter does what? Every time you have, you know, I really don't like people that all they do is gripe and complain about your work or gripe and complain about, you know, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, but you don't, you're not feeling any love. How many ever had that an employer like that? I'm not. I mean, thank God I don't uh, work in those companies anymore. But you know, I put my dues in. I worked at the um, <laughs> illustrious Department of Motor Vehicles right here in Jackson Street. That's right. I saw a lot of your kids flunk their driving tests, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I, my first day on the job, there was a fight that broke out. Two guys went right through the plate glass door. Says, "Wow, lively bunch here at Jackson Street." All right, moving right along. That was my first day of work at the DMV. Moving right along. The letter kills. Is that right? Look at what it says in the Passion Translation. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. Now, I've got to take a breath. Everybody take a breath with me. (gasps) Okay. Boy, we were really, I almost felt like I was speaking in Spanish for a minute there. Gloria a Dios. Okay, moving right along. Page four, and I only have 60 pages, but uh, let's see. I think I've made it clear that God operates through mercy and truth. You don't have to turn to these scriptures. But, but let's, let's do Psalms 89.14 if I put it up there. Look at what it says here about God, just so that you know that I'm not making this up. I am not making this up. This is all throughout the Bible, this theme of mercy and truth working together. Justice and judgment are a habitation of thy throne. Speaking of God's throne. Look what it says. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Interesting, isn't it? Mercy and truth will go before your face. Proverbs twenty twenty eight. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is upheld by what? 
mercy. Psalms 100 says this, and you don't have it up there, but 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth, mercy everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Now I'm going to take a little pause right here. His truth, His mercy endures for all generations. Who needs truth? Who needs mercy? Everybody. It said, all. don't you give me that, oh, that's for the people that are 40 and above or 35 and above. Little kids need truth and mercy. I'm just saying, it's never too early to start training yourself into truth and mercy. Children need it. How about grandmas and grandpas? How about the professional person in their 30s seeking that career in computer programming or the lawyer? They need mercy and truth to operate in their lives. Just saying. So he says, to all generations, which to me speaks not just of the longevity of his truth, which is his word, and of his mercy, which is everlasting, but of the application that generation after generation, everybody needs it. Why is that, Pastor Tom? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is that right? But see, through Jesus Christ, grace and mercy came and truth came, right? For I am not ashamed. Here's one for you, Tony. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God into salvation. What is the gospel? It is a message of truth and grace operating together truth and mercy operating together. I love it. How many of you having fun tonight? I think I'm, we're, we're just jarring our thinking just a little bit. So we saw several scriptures how truth and grace work together. So let me just touch this for, give me, who will give me about two, three minutes to see about touching what the difference is between grace and mercy. So I need a little help on this one. I need someone that has at least a quarter or maybe a silver dollar or a 50 cent piece. Anybody have a quarter on them? Everybody's electronic? Really? A quarter. I'll give it back to you. Give me a quarter. Come on. Don't mess up my teaching here. Oh, somebody's got one. Mona, thank God. Okay, Mona, I will get this quarter back to you. I said it in front of the whole church. Okay. All of you are familiar with a quarter. Is that right? Now, I realize this is not exactly what they do, but before the football game, when they see who's going to be the kickoff, what do they do? They flip it. And what do they call? Heads or... There's two sides to this coin. Are we listening? I love this. Pastor Nancy, I think I got excited listening to you teach the other day. I, I kind of warming up for children's church one day. So there's a quarter. There's the head side and there's the tail side. Which one is more important? Is it? Why, why is the head more important? Okay. Now let me ask you something. When you pay, when you pay at a, what, what did he say? The one you call. That guy deserves a quarter. Mona, can I get... <laughs> Actually, I'll flip it and see have him call. Okay, when you go to pay for something at the cash register, when you get that book, um, changes that heel at the bookstore, 50% off. When you get that book and you pay for it with heads or tails, does, it, does the cashier care if the tails or the heads was showing? Why? Because it does... It, say it again. David Nichols had it right because it's the same, okay? It's the same value. It's the same value. It will pay for what you want or it'll get you there. When you put this coin in the bus, I don't even know if they take these in the bus or if you have to 
what clipper cars. But boy, the world has really changed, PN. I'm tired of being 61. I want to be 16 again. So anyway. All right. The, the cashier does not insist on the head or the tail. And you already said because the value is the same. They both work. If you have the head showing, now here's a thought. If you have, if, if you just lay that on the counter and the head is showing, uh, by deduction, you, they, everybody accepts that, well, there must be tails on the other side, right? I mean, if you're going to really give a, U, a U.S. piece of money and you're going to put the, thank you, Mono, for this, and you put that down, then you're assuming that the tails is, is on the side. Or if the tails is showing, in this case, boy, they changed our money. It looks weird. I like eagles and this looks funky. I don't know what that is. Anyway, let's say the tails is showing. And then that means by deduction, you're going to suppose that what's on the other side. Okay, well, if it's tails up, then the head's showing. Okay, but here's the thing. If you had the head showing and then they flipped it and there was a head on the other side, you think like, whoa, something is wrong, right? I mean, who has a two-headed quarter? I mean, or, or only two back, the, the tails on both sides. There's something wrong with this picture. You might think it's a counterfeit. Is that right? Or how about this? How about if it, if it had heads on one side and then blank on the other, nothing on the other side? Like you, you know immediately like, whoa, something's wrong. I know this. If you're at the store, if you're in the bookstore, buying that book, changing that heel, 50% off at the bookstore. If you were to do that and you would lay down this and it was like the head part here and nothing on the back, you, I think that somebody at the bookstore might say, I don't think so. What is that, Canadian or something? <laughs> and they say, you got another one? I mean, I would because it doesn't seem right. But look at this. Uh, we're getting to this. If you have the tails, the head surely on the side, both sides make up the value of the coin. So here's the thought. It's the same with grace and mercy. If, if grace is an operation you know that mercy's on the other side of the coin. They're not too far. They're not the same. We're going to talk about the difference in the next page. But you know, if grace is an operation, that doesn't mean that mercy's not on the other side. So not far behind, if not operating, and you just can't see it. Or if mercy's operating, that doesn't mean that grace isn't operating. Oh, I'm having fun with this, Pastor Nancy. Woo! Okay, let's see. Let's call it. Okay, what's it going to be? Heads or tails? It's tails. No, it's heads. It was heads. I'm going to give this back to Mona. Mona, thank you for the example. I wonder if I could flip this to you. Can you? Uh, I messed up. Oh, wow. Okay, anyway. But she got her quarterback. Let's give her a hand for her help tonight. Notice this. The same with grace and mercy. Lamentations 3.22 says this. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not what? Consumed. An interesting thought about grace, I like Ephesians 2.8 to represent what grace is. Grace in 2.8 in the Amplified says, For by free grace, God's unmerited favor that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And I like this part. And that is salvation that is not of yourself, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it's the gift from God. So let's, let's, let's break down some simple layman definitions. Grace is God giving us something that we could never earn. 
We could never deserve it. You can never do something. That's what grace is. That's the one part of the coin is that you can never earn it. But the other side of the coin is the mercy side, which is God's mercy is not giving you or holding back what you do deserve. Are you listening? Withholding judgment, withholding punishment and consequences. In fact, paying the consequences on the cross. Wow. That's what mercy is doing. So you see the difference? One is holding back bad things and judgment. And the other one is saying, okay, now let me give this to you. Since, since, so I held back the bad thing. Now let me give you this. And you didn't do a thing for either one. You cannot buy it. You cannot act good enough for it. I, in my Bible, it says that our righteousness, our own righteousness is as Filthy rags on your best day. On my best day. I'd never make it into heaven on my own merit. On your best day. And I, you guys, I, I know some really great people in this room. But on our best day, we still can't earn it. It's still a gift of God. And by the way... You're here tonight because the mercy of God is holding back those car accidents, those muggings or whatever. He's doing this. He's protecting you. He's making sure that there's no temptation taking you such as is common to man. And he will make sure that you're going to have a safe landing place. That's the mercy of God. Just, just a lot of times when you have us old timers praying in prayer meetings, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus and we put the shield of mercy. Surround those kids with your mercy. That's what we're doing. We're believing that mercy is protecting you. Hallelujah. All right. So anyway, wow. How many of you knew that that was all in there? So let's see if I, I let me. Uh, <laughs> Hallelujah. What, what am I doing now? I'm, what I am doing is I'm just kind of regrouping because I have, you know, several pages and I don't want to keep you here all night. So let's recap a few things. Truth alone defines, confronts, identifies, exposes a condition or a reality. I mean, this is a layman's term. It's not all conclusive, but I'll just leave it at that. Mercy or grace alone afford a safe environment where we can be real. Right? A safe environment where we can be real and be not so perfect. (laughs) You know? But no idea, you may be in a safe environment, but have no idea how to change or how to deal with the issues in your life. And so, so that we can grow and develop and be fruitful, happy people. I like this from the book, Changes That Heal, page 20. Listen to this. Somebody got the memo tonight. Anyway, uh, sometimes, I like this, sometimes the church reinforces our inclination to hide It's interesting to compare a legalistic church with a good AA group. In this kind of church, it is culturally unacceptable to have problems. Did you get that? In this kind of legalistic church, not here, but I'm just saying. In a legalist church, it's culturally unacceptable to have problems. Uh, This is called being sinful. In the AA group, it is culturally unacceptable to be perfect. Are you listening to this? It's unacceptable to be perfect. And that is called denial. You got a problem, brother. Oh, no, everything. No, 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 no. I know. 
well, how's everything? Fine. I said, no, no, there's something going on. I could tell. Don't you mess with me. I know. Now listen to this. In the former setting, the religious church, the dogmatic church, the, what do they call that? He call it legalistic church. In the former setting, people look better, but get worse. How about that? And in the latter setting, like the AA, people look worse, but they get better. <laughs> What's the difference? I like to draw from Luke 8, verse 15 in the King James Version. It says, but on the good ground are the seed with a good and an honest or an honest and a good heart. Having heard the word or the truth, they hear the truth. They bring forth fruit with patience. There comes a place, friends, when we just all, let's stop playing games. We know we can't earn our way to heaven. We know we're not perfect. You know, nobody's perfect except Jesus. And we come by the same road, the cross of Jesus Christ. And if it weren't for the blood of Jesus, we'd be all dying and on the way to hell. Come on. And, he's on, and we're all under construction. And He gets all the glory. He gave us the faith to do it. He gave us the patience to do it. He gave us the road map. He gave us the truth. He gave us the comfort. You're going to be okay. You're okay. Let's cut this out. <laughs> and you make improvement and it's all Him. To Him that is all the while at work in you, both to willing to do His good pleasure. God gets all the glory. So we're not really something big on a stick. We're just along for the ride. Man, Jesus, you're awesome. <laughs> How many of you glad that Jesus is awesome? Yeah. That he loves taking people that are not perfect. And he says, all right, I'm going to put my law in your heart. And it's okay. I've got mercy going on. And if ever I bring up truth, it will, it'll be between you and me. And we're going to make this happen. And I'll bring people into your life that you can trust. And you can work through this with them. And they will love you to wholeness if it's the last thing they do. And you'll pray your way right through this. You'll pray and walk your way right through that addiction. You'll pray and walk your way right through that bitterness. Right through that depression. Hallelujah. All kinds of things Jesus has the body of Christ in the right place for. So let's look at what it says in James 22. And I'm glad I got this. I've only been preaching 41 minutes. So listen to James 1, 22-25. This is in the Passion Translation. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For uh, that is the essence of self-deception. So always let this word, the truth, become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the truth or the word and don't live it out, the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word or the truth and discover the reflection on his face in the beginning and you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. Remember, God did not exaggerate when He said, I'm making you a new person. He is not exaggerating when He said, you are a masterpiece. He was never exaggerating when He said, I'm putting an anointing on you. And that no, nothing by any means shall harm you. He was not exaggerating when He said that. He was not exaggerating when He said, ask whatever you want, whatever you want. He says, you abide in my word, right? If you, and, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you want. And it will be done for you by my Father. He was not exaggerating. He knows we're going to ask according to the will of God. Hallelujah. How many of you enjoying this so far? 
So it says, so we don't want to forget our divine origin, but those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty. Now that seems to be an oxymoron. How could you have freedom and have to have laws? Like, dude, I want, I want to have freedom. See, freedom to me means lawlessness. It's do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it, with whomever I want to do it. But that's not how God sees it. And that is not the truth. There is a perfect law, you might call it a code, of liberty and freedom. Those who reject the code of freedom and liberty do it at their own demise, their own harm. It hurts us to go against spiritual laws. Yeah, you can hold unforgiveness all you want, but it's not going to help you. See, you have the freedom of choice. Oh, I'm free, I'm free. I got to, like Pastor Mark jokes about this all the time. He says, like, he was wondering if he should ask Pastor Brenda to marry him or not. And he says, like, well, I don't know. I don't want to give up my freedom and, and my life. He was like, wow, a dude with a sleeping bag and a lamp and that's it. A, <laughs> and, and a couple of cold canned beans in the cupboard. Yeah, my freedom. Oh, oh yeah. And, and he did, he did have a cassette player and some tapes. That's all I remember was in the room. And, and uh, so, so, so he was trying to say, let's see, I could have this, this, this wonderful lady in my life and somebody that will cook for me or my freedom, my freedom, like my freedom, dude, you better marry that girl. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm glad, aren't you glad he did marry her? Uh, what a love story. I just, I just get tickled about when here, but, but in this case, like you have a choice. You have a choice of to choose whatever you're going to do, but, but just mark this down. Deuteronomy 30 says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. I'm free. I'm an American. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're American. You're free, all right. You're free to choose. You're free to choose stupid or you're free to choose smart. And he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And then he backed it up with, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't think, I just put two scriptures, they're not in the same. But I'm just saying, I don't know about you, but I figured this out a while ago. It's better to serve God than not serve God. Now, so let's look at this. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, which seems like an oxymoron, but it really isn't. If you buy the book in the bookstore, you'll get what I'm talking about. Uh, changes at heel. Okay, um, and by the way, I did not buy stock in that company. So uh, it says, those that look and intently in the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear. I want you to say that with me. They respond to the truth they hear and are what? Strengthened by it and they experience what? God's blessing in all they do. Alright, let's just pause for a second. That's got to sink in. And then I'm going to make my last point. And I still have several pages. Maybe part three. I have a friend that now lives in Hawaii and um, he shared this with me. From He learned this. It's called the SOAP principle. I, it's not unique to him. And I don't know if the pastor in Hawaii came up with this. But he called it the SOAP principle. And now, before we close, these are tips for you to become a, an action hero in your own family's eyes. 
to do the word. Everybody, we need men and women, children, boys and girls that do the word and do the truth so that they can be a blessing in all that they do. So are you ready for the soap principle? Here it is. S stands for scripture. Anybody heard this before? Oh, great. I'm glad. S stands for scripture. When you're waiting on the Lord, you want to have the truth in the form of a scripture come up into your heart. Well, you know, don't just read the Bible. I'm going to read through the Bible. I read my 50 chapters, my three chapters today. Yay! And at the end of the year, yay! I read the Bible all the way through and it went in, in one ear and out the other. Some things you need to immerse yourself in. So check this out. A scripture. Pastor Mark said, I meditated on Philippians 4, uh, 19. Right? And then uh, Matthew 8, 17. He meditated on those two scriptures. Himself bear our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Is that right? And the other one uh, that says, but my God shall supply all of my needs. And he says, he just, he just immersed himself in those scriptures. That's what I'm going to be doing today. I'm going to be meditating on Well, look at this. S stands for scripture. Not just any scripture. Ask God. Pray in the Holy Ghost when you wake up in the morning. I'm just speaking of the brothers from Africa. When Brother Osaka came and ministered the word of God on the Holy Spirit, that changed my life. I, I, I gained such a value, and I will say it again. I, I learned that I don't know, even if I'm going to read the Bible, I don't know what scriptures to read. Like I ought, and even if I'm saying, I'm going to pray. Well, I don't know how to pray as I ought, according to uh, Romans chapter 8 and 26. I have infirmities in my mind. Like I, I don't see everything. So I just get up, and before I do anything, I just put my timer on and start praying in the Holy Ghost. And then I'm, and then I'm listening to see what's going to come out of my mouth. Guess what? Sometimes these amazing things come out of my mouth. I'm like, wow, write that down. And it's not me. It's like somebody says, oh, you do that. No, it's not me. It's him. He's. I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. Then I then the timer goes off, and then I start making my petitions. Pastor Nancy, you did such an outstanding job praying, or rather teaching us on the types of prayer that there are. You just went the whole night talking about all these types of prayer. Like, wow! It was an awesome conglomeration of all the forms of prayer. But what I do at that time is I do prayer of supplication. I have my I have things that I have on my heart. I pray for people in the church. I pray for projects in the church. I pray for my pastors. I pray for my nation. I pray for my family. Make specific requests. And of course, there's Thanksgiving. Then set the timer again, and I'm praising the Lord. But these are things that I do, right? But but also he he in that time of prayer in the Holy Ghost, I get which scripture to turn to, and I turn to that scripture, and it's alive and it speaks to me. So S stands for what uh, church scripture. O stands for observation. Let the Holy Ghost tell you what is it that you observe. Put yourself in there. What do, this isn't just, oh, I read through it. Yay, I finished the Bible in a year. No, put yourself in the story. Put yourself in it. I love the way your dad taught, Caleb. When he, he put himself in all the positions in that story about Naaman, he put himself in all the positions, the, the little servant girl, the, the, the friend of the commander, the commander, the prophet, the other king. He put himself, and he gave us a viewpoint of, he put himself in the story. Observation. Let God turn that and make that scripture come alive. And you, you get these observations. Then comes to the point of A, application. What good is it if you're not applying it in your life? Am I, li- am I, are you listening to me? 
That's the point where you're getting ready to do action. We were just instructed, if you want to be blessed, you've got to do something with what you hear. So if all you did was listen and say like, oh, that was nice, and write a little check mark, and then go your way, you didn't apply it yet. Scripture, observation, application, right? Application, like, okay, how does this fit into my life? How, how can I change the way I, like, the Lord challenged me about my joy level? Okay, Lord, what's, what can I do to up my level of joy in my life? And He was showing me that the first step into joy for me was thanksgiving. If you could just start thanking God for something. I love how Pastor Nancy was ministering the other day. She, she was thanking God. Well, thank God that both legs didn't break or whatever, both feet didn't break. And, 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 and Yeah, right? And she was just kind of thanking God for this and that. And before you know it, when you start doing something starts bubbling up on the inside. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know where you are on the scale, but if we were put a little meter, she like, like you go over here to Pastor Brendan, the joy was and broke the meter. Pastor Brenda, you broke the meter again. <laughs> right? You know, but, but can, I just, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes it's like, like you know, righteousness and peace, you know, PT, and then joy. And it's kind of like beep, 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 beep. But it's not really going beep, beep. It should be going beep, beep. You know, it should be like register strong. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? So I said, I got to work on that, Lord. So I found myself saying, okay, well, I'm going to up my thanksgiving. I got to start thanking God. And I intentionally did something for the application. But the last thing, we, remember, it's the soap principle. And I'm going to close with this. Soap, the last is prayer. Why is that? Because you have the power of choice. But God has the power of change. Did you get that? So, the Word tells you what's possible. When you make observation, you start saying, this, is, this can happen in my life. You start seeing yourself in it. Then with the application, you say like, God starts talking to you. I want you to do this. This is the action I want you to take. But you can't, not in your own strength. You start to pray and you give the decision to God you build a fence around that decision. Ooh, that's a good one. That's worth your money tonight. Whenever you make a quality decision in an area that you know needs great, a great deal of development, you, if you build a fence around it, then it's easier for you to follow through. Then you pray about it and you say, God, I'm ready for the power because He's the one who is at work in us Right? Both to will and to do His good pleasure. Soap. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And when you seal that in with prayer, woo, you're, you're, you're operating in principles that will make you blessed in whatever you do, and you will be a blessing to others. How many of you enjoyed the Word tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I have, you know, I have uh, several other pages, but maybe that's another day. But I, I will say a closing thought in this. Do not weaponize truth. Do not point your little bony finger truth gun at people. Say, you smoke 
dope or something or whatever it is that you're going to say and point that bony finger at people and have absolutely no anointing to bring. Is that the way Jesus treated the lady caught in the act of adultery? I said, is that the way Jesus treated that lady? No. That's the way the Pharisees treated her. And they said, the law of Moses said, this is what you're supposed to do. You see, but we read earlier tonight that the law came through Moses. The letter kills, friends. But grace and truth came through Jesus. Hallelujah. That's how we're supposed to operate. Hallelujah. Well, let's give Jesus a shout. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Father, to operate as you operate in mercy and truth. For those of us that need to be brave to receive truth because it confronts us, help us to know that it's safe as long as you are in it. You're a safe father. and That you love us and you're pruning us so that we'll bear more excellent fruit. Lord, help us to operate in truth in our personal lives. Help us with truth in our relationships. I pray for a greater degree of mercy to be shown by the saints, Father, as we gather with our families. Help us us to show mercy knowing that we ourselves have been forgiven, that we ourselves are not perfect, but we're a part of the answer for each other to support one another and be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another uh, as Christ, for God's sake, has forgiven us. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Or I should say, God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. We worship you tonight. Let, let me just take a minute and pray. Father, I see. You see. You see. You see. You see. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. So this is what I have in my heart. It's not a big, long thing, but it's this. A lot of times we have a false sense of security. You know, have you ever uh, seen a little kid, you're playing hide-and-go-to-seek, and they say, um, okay, we're going to play hide-and-go-to-seek, and then they're going to hide in the usual place, you know. Like behind the curtain, you see their shoes hanging down. And then you as the parent say, I'm coming, I'm coming. And you make pretend you don't see them. And the kid really believes that you can't see them. They really think that you can't, but you know they're there. And I just is what I got in my heart. Like, you know, it's time for some of us to take our intimacy level with the Lord another level. Come on. He sees you're hiding behind the curtain. He sees, he sees the chocolate on your hand. You had the cookie from the cookie jar. He, he knows you're hiding back there. Do you really think when he went through the garden, Adam, Adam, where are you? Do you really think he didn't know where Adam was? (laughs) He knew where he was. But like Brother Copeland says, you know, let's get to the place that if and when we miss it, we run to our Father who is plenteous in mercy. And I'll leave you with this word. He delights in mercy. He delights in it. Some people delight in hot rods. Real cool hot rod show over there on San Lorenzo by that old theater. Real cool, all these old cars. Some, they delight in all those cars. Well, you know what God delights in? Mercy. Well, if you delight in mercy, that means 
you really have a good time when, when people really messed up. And you're able to go and be kind and nice to them and overlook things. And while they're trying to explain, while you and me are behind the curtain, trying to explain to God why, why we messed up and we really didn't mean He's just trying to calm you down and says, it's all good. It's okay. Where are your accusers? He says, neither do I condemn you. In that environment, I can grow. Thank you. In that environment, you can grow. That's freedom, friends. That's freedom. Lord, thank you for your word. Hallelujah.